Dowdy, Chase Kitty back on the High Motor Podcast after week 13, before week 14. And Chase, we were chatting uh, early in that Arizona State-Oregon game on Saturday night. First quarter, I think we were chatting after Arizona State tied it and made it 7-7. And I texted you, I can't decide how I want this game to go. I wouldn't hate seeing a Pac-12 team in the playoff field. So that won't be Oregon. The Pac-12's margin for error is officially at zero with all the eggs in Utah's basket, the Pac-12 championship game. And even though the Pac-12 champion was not guaranteed a spot by any means in the playoff field, it felt like the last few weeks we were turning toward a Pac-12 championship game in which it would be a winner-take-all. Not the case anymore. Even if Utah wins, we don't know if they'll be in there. We think that they'll be in there, but and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but we're not going to have that anymore. But I want to talk to you about Something that I think is always a fascinating discussion, particularly in college football and the NCAA tournament, because I think the the college football regular season stakes are similar to the stakes in the tournament. Obviously not cutthroat. It's not just one and done like it is, but for many teams, one loss and you're done in college football, or at least historically speaking, with that path ahead, you're basically done. So the question is, what do you want in the regular season? You know, we, we have one regular season week remaining. The games that matter in the playoff picture for next week are going to be Colorado at Utah, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State, Ohio State at Michigan, Clemson at South Carolina, Georgia at Georgia Tech, Wisconsin at Minnesota, Alabama at Auburn, A&M at LSU, and the conference championships a week later if everything holds, if the favorites wins, yes, dangerous assumption, especially after last night with that Oregon loss, but still, it would be Utah, Oregon, Oklahoma, Baylor, Minnesota, Ohio State, Clemson, versus who gives a shit from the Coastal, and then LSU and Georgia. And Chase, obviously we don't need to run through all of those, those what, 12 or 13 games, but those are the games that are going to decide the playoff field this year. Other games will move the metrics, move strength of record, move strength of schedule and stuff like that, but those are the 13 games that will ultimately decide the field as we have one week left and the conference championship weekend. So back to that question that I asked you, what do you want from the next two weeks? Like, Do you want pure chaos? Do you want favorites to win to give us the best teams in the conference championship the best teams in the playoff field what does chase kitty want well i think i'll go back to something i've heard you say a few times this year which is like i want to be selfish right like i want to see the things that would be most entertaining to me and i think one of the things that i am prone toward is shaking things up a little bit so like i want to see the pac-12 in the playoff um that, now, I don't think that has anything to do with the fact that I thought Oregon had a good shot until last night. But I do I do want to see Pac, the Pac-12 represented in the playoff just because it's new. I don't want to see Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State and like the same four teams we always have. It's but do you think that the Pac-12 is – I mean, so we still have basically two weeks of football left. Even though you want to see that, I guess this is more my question. Even though you want to see that, do you, do you want to see that more – if you don't think Utah is one of the top four teams, so answer that question too. If you don't think that, do you want to see that versus having the four best teams in the playoff? Uh, I mean, I think in terms of being an analyst and being a steward of college football, I want the process to work, right? I, I want 
if if the process is let's get the four best teams regardless of sort of how we get there, let's just make sure we have the four best teams, then I want that process to work because I think about things in a stewardly sort of way. We should act in a way that maintains the integrity of the process. If you're asking me... Yeah, get off your soapbox now and not just just say what Chase Kitty wants. Right. If, if, we're, if you're asking me, like, shitty couch potato Chase Kitty, what do I want to see, like, laying on my couch for 12 hours one day? Like, what do I want to watch? I want to watch... I want to see if the Pac-12, the best of the Pac-12 is good enough to play with these other guys. They haven't gotten a shot in a couple years, and I think that's a storyline that's interesting to me. Even as a Big 12 guy, I don't particularly care whether or not the Big 12 gets in or not. So that's, you know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over Oklahoma and Baylor. Uh, my The Mountaineers have been out of it for a long time, so uh, that, I'm, I'm not going to lose too much sleep over that. I, I kind of want to see uh, LSU and Ohio State because I think they're both really, really good, but I think they're different. I think they're good in different ways. Uh, I don't think that's like breaking news or anything. Uh, and then I'm I'm kind of interested in, in the Clemson thing. Now, Clemson's a brand that's been in there before, but I don't know what that team is this year. They've been murdering people for two straight months, but when they were actually playing decent teams at the first part of their schedule— like they didn't look all that impressive, so I'm kind of interested to see them play against uh, another team that we know is really good. And who doesn't like watching Trevor Lawrence play? Like he's awesome. So for you, it's more about figure. So you're almost it's entertainment using, for me, right? So you're almost using the playoff to say how good are these teams, as opposed to using the regular season and using conference championships. Like for example, it doesn't seem like you know that Utah is one of the four best teams, but you want to find out if Utah is one of the four best teams by playing LSU in the semifinal. I think selfishly, yeah. Like I if you ask me do I think Utah is one of the four best teams, I would tell you probably not. But like like that's what I think the 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 Oregon loss opened us up to last night is in a much easier path for the SEC to get two teams in. Um Utah is still in there. They can still sort of fall upwards. But now I think because the perception was that Oregon was the class of the conference, the perception game might open the door just a little bit wider for both LSU and Georgia to get in there. I'm not and even, even though things didn't like change for Utah that much, I still think if they were to win the Pac-12 championship game, yeah, the resume wouldn't be as good because Oregon now has a pretty bad loss to Arizona State on it. But it didn't change for Utah that much, even though it kind of feels like it did. Because with that Oregon loss, our perception of the Pac-12, which has changed dramatically in the last two months. I mean, we were sitting here in September. Everybody was sitting here in September just shitting on the Pac-12. And then we get to November and everyone's saying, hey, the Pac-12. Look at the Pac-12. 12-1. and They're going to be conference champion, Utah or Oregon. And even though nothing really happened to Utah, Utah actually looked really good last night. Yeah, Arizona, Arizona's a bad team. But Utah is smashing those bad teams, and Utah is doing nothing to suggest that they shouldn't be in that conversation. Yet with that Oregon loss, suddenly a lot of people are, I don't know who is, I'm not trying to take a pulse of all of Twitter, but suddenly we're saying, well, I don't know, maybe the Pac-12 just isn't that good, and if Utah even beats Oregon, should they be deserving? The, The second point there is I think that we're all watching that game. I was personally selfishly cheering for Oregon because I wanted that winner-take-all Pac-12 championship game. But I also understand, I think I tweeted something to this effect, that upsets fuel college football. But with that, and you said this, that with that loss, the SEC was a big winner last night. 
the SEC has a really good chance. Now, I don't know what the percentage chances chances of getting two teams in, most likely being Alabama. So it's the, the question is, and you're not in this group, but I want to ask somebody, for those of you that hate the SEC, don't want to see Alabama in it again, were you actually cheering for Arizona State last night? Because it seems like with that, kind of compared to the NCAA tournament, if you're not a fan of that team, most non-Oregon fans, well, probably Pac-12 fans were cheering for Oregon, I'm guessing. Utah fans are probably cheering for Oregon, I'm guessing. But if you're usually not a, a fan of that team, you're cheering for the upset. So I would be curious, if you were cheering for that upset, are you also cheering for Alabama to get into the playoff? Probably not. Is there anybody that wants to see Alabama in the playoff right now that isn't an Alabama fan? Let's start there. I would say that people screaming people screaming SEC probably want to see Alabama in it. Yeah, but don't you think broad SEC fans probably want to see Georgia and LSU first? I have no idea. I don't know. And and then that you that's the same question I'm kind of asking you like what do you want? I've said all along I want the best teams in the playoff. I want the best teams in the NCAA tournament. If you're not deserving of an NCAA tournament bid or a playoff bid and you win a game, we've talked about this before, that doesn't mean that you are deserving. You're deserving based upon what you did up to that point. Because you won a game, I'm not all of a sudden saying, oh yeah, you're deserving. The result doesn't validate the process. Exactly. So I want the mixture of upsets and the better teams prevailing to give us that best feel possible. But I also want a phenomenal regular season. Like I want the epic Elite Eight games. Like, in this case, I wanted the South Carolina-Georgia upset. I really wanted that. I loved when Ohio State lost to Iowa. I loved when Ohio State got blasted by Purdue. Most people loved that. And that was just fun. It opens up scenarios and makes our jobs. It makes our jobs even more fun than they already are because, like, when Oklahoma goes and loses to Kansas State, even though I wasn't, like, cheering for Kansas State— with that loss, that was a huge game-changing loss that opened up so many scenarios because up until then, we kind of just put the Big 12 to the side. And even though you were high on Baylor, even though that I was high on Baylor, not quite as high as you were, a lot most people just assume that Oklahoma's 13-0, they're probably going to be in the playoff. But with that loss, it opened up so many scenarios. So that kind of gives us that mixture of getting games like that opening up scenarios, but then still keeping the best four teams. And even though I've been kind of an Oklahoma apologist here for a while, even after that Kansas State game, maybe Oklahoma just isn't that good. So for the next two weeks, like, I don't want, I don't want Alabama in. I don't care if the Big 12 is in. I just don't want Alabama in. They've beaten terrible teams all year. And for 45 minutes in Baton Rouge a few weeks ago, they got their ass kicked. Uh, Welcome to the clubhouse, my friend. I'm just not even sure if Alabama is one of the four best teams, right? Are I they? don't think they are. I've been saying it for weeks. So if you put out, Al- and I, I don't, I don't know if I love. I for a, maybe this is what we need to talk about because this is the stupidest playoff argument. What the hypothetical line would be between two teams, and you as a betting man can speak to this way more than I can. I do not give a shit what the what the hypothetical line would be between Alabama and Utah. I, I don't know when that became a like a. a it's fine as like a hypothetical question. Like college football analysts are arguing that. People that I respect are arguing that. But what would the line be? Alabama minus 10 against Utah on a neutral field? At least. Well, I don't know, Andrew. I think they'd be like minus 9. Who cares? Like, as you yeah. said 400 times, that is just what they want to get even betting. It's just dumb. That Yeah, that's really stupid. It's just the stupidest argument. I also think of who, who, they, who would win on a neutral field. If you put Alabama and Utah on neutral field, yeah. Give me Alabama nine times out of ten. I don't care, though. 
I don't want them in. I want LSU win. LSU is the best team in college football. I want them there. I don't want a two-loss Georgia there. I don't want them there to play a 15-12 to game. It's basically like putting San Diego State in the playoff. I'd rather see San Diego State in the playoff than Georgia. They play the Whoa. same defense. Whoa. Anyways, Whoa. let's say that Clemson is shocked by South Carolina in the Gamecock Super Bowl this weekend, or Clemson is shocked in the ACC championship game. Sure, that'd be like fun for college football, but again, going back to that, that Arizona State-Oregon game, with a loss like that, what does that mean? That would mean that Alabama has even a better chance of getting in. Does that mean that Ohio State is in no matter what happens in the Big Ten championship game, and now we're reducing the stakes in the Big Ten championship game, assuming that Ohio, State's, Ohio State beats Michigan in Week 14? Like, do I want Ohio State to lose to Michigan and have it be 11-1 Minnesota versus 11-1 Ohio State playing probably for a playoff spot? Yeah, that'd be fun as hell, but with that, we have to understand it opens the door for Alabama. Maybe it opens the door for 11-2 and Georgia if they keep it close versus LSU. I don't even know who I'm screaming at here, but I feel like we should be thinking about long-term. If you are you want these upsets, and upsets are great, and it was fun to see Arizona State win that game. That late touchdown was fun as hell. I was going berserk when Arizona State extended the lead to 10. That was awesome. But what does it mean for college football? What does it mean for the playoff? Can we go back to something you said earlier? Please. Okay. You were talking uh, about, uh, you've said a couple times now, people love the upsets, right? And you referenced like Ohio State getting blasted by Iowa. Do you think people love the upsets because it makes it more interesting? Or do you think people love the shot in Freud? I think people love the, a lot of reasons. One of them, I think people love to see your rival fail. And that's understandable. I think people like to see, hey, maybe our team doesn't suck that much because Ohio State just went and lost to Purdue. Hey, we lost to Purdue. We must not suck that much. <laughs> that's a good point. So I think there are a lot of reasons. It all ties reasons. back to my fandom, me. Right. It, it's yeah. jealousy. It's everything. I mean, Michigan fans want to see Ohio State win because Michigan can't win. So if, if they can't be happy, they don't want Ohio State to be well, happy. Yeah, right? I get why the Michigan fan likes that. But what I'm more interested in, I think, is like why the Texas Tech fan enjoys it's parody. Ohio I State mean, every, parody drives sports. Parody drives college football, even though college football has done just fine with having those top teams at, at the top. So I, I think that people want to see something different, right? Yeah. Another thing you said in there is uh, like the, the when you were talking about the Pac-12, you said – you know, Oregon, it, as soon as they lost last night, it felt like the, the conversation shifted to like, well, maybe the Pac-12 wasn't that good. or like Even when, though Utah, a half hour later, was blasting Arizona. Right. A and pretty then, similar team to Arizona State. Like earlier this year when Oregon lost to Auburn, it was, I don't think you and I said this actually. I think, in fact, we were we were pretty aggressive about like, I wouldn't count the Pac-12 out yet. I was, I was pretty I impressed go with Oregon in that podcast. game. I said that after the game, I think you did too. I thought Oregon would look like the better team in that game and they should have won if there were a few different coaching uh, things that went their way. If they had some actual receivers playing, Oregon was just the better team. I still think Oregon's a better team than Auburn. Yeah, I, I do too. I wonder, like one of the things that annoys me the most that we may or may not have talked about at some point this year on this podcast is... Like, I hate how the result from five minutes ago is, like, the the driving mechanic behind everything that's happened this season. Like, let me tell you why the entire narrative of 2019 is formed around the fact that Oregon lost to Arizona State. Like, Oregon, I think we both agree Oregon's probably out of the playoffs. There is a nightmare chaos scenario where Oregon can somehow still make the playoffs. I'm, I'm not betting on that, but, like... I just don't like how we take 
one thing in one moment and then make it like a whole big thing. And I think that's, I mean, there's so many reasons why I don't like that. Number one is the gambling part of it, right? Like you can make a lot of money betting against people who don't have any future vision. They can't see past 10 minutes from now. But the other thing is like, if, if we're going to write the story of a season, you can't just be in one moment. Like, and you have to understand like Arizona State's not that bad of a team. It, it's a loss that's going to keep Oregon out of the playoff, probably. It's a loss that's going to hurt the perception of the Pac-12 a little bit because the stakes of the championship game are now diminished. But that's not like a terrible loss. Oregon's still a good team. They, they're they still going to play in a pretty decent bowl, I would bet. Uh, and they could still win the Pac-12. Ironically, winning the Pac-12 would be bad for the Pac-12, but I mean... I just I don't I don't like how we do that. It bothers me. Does it, is this one of the things that like really bothers you, or do you have other pet peeves? Well, absolutely. I mean, it, it goes down to like, and this happens all the time in football. If if there isn't one certain play that happens, everything completely changes. Like if if Grayson Allen makes that shot against Kansas in the Elite Eight a couple of years ago, the narrative completely changes, and suddenly Bill Self hasn't been to a Final Four in a while. Oh my God, they have the FBI investigation going on. Is Bill Self the right guy for Kansas? It's like something like that. Or if if Oregon doesn't botch that coverage on whatever that long touchdown was, it was like 70 yards or something to extend the lead, Oregon has probably a pretty good chance to win that game. So it's like literally one play, and then we're not talking about the other 100 plays in that game or the other 1,000 plays in the season. Bottom line, I think we've had a, a terrific mixture so far this season of upsets. Like we haven't had... Too many to throw the playoff completely out of whack and to throw what we think are truly the best teams out, but not so few that it was a dull regular season, which it kind of was last year. I think we've had a really good mixture. Let's get uh, to some playoff rankings here. So I first, before we do that, I'm going to, once we get to that, I'm going to go through and say what I think it will be. Chase will pick it apart and say what it should be. But really quickly, I went back through the first five years of the playoffs, so 14 to 18. I was curious... How many times we had the same top four from one week to the next week? How many times did the exact top four order remain the same? So we had back-to-back same top four once the first year, 2014, twice in 2015, twice in 2016, once in 2017, and twice last year. So we already had that last week when LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia stayed the same. But then I was wondering, because it's going to stay the same again this week, I think, how often does it happen where all top four stay the same for three straight weeks? It didn't happen in 2014. Didn't happen in 15, didn't happen in 16, didn't happen in 17. Last year it happened where we had three straight weeks of the top four stay the same. So after it not happening in the first four years of the playoff, it's going to happen in back-to-back years. And I know that that this piece that I'm noting here is just as much about who's playing who each week, who has buys, who's eating cupcakes. But still, we're going to have the same top four as the last two weeks, and it'll be back-to-back seasons in which the same top four was three straight weeks. So... I'm going to tell you what I think it will look like. It will be LSU 1, it will be Ohio State 2, it will be Clemson 3, it will be Georgia 4. I don't think Utah did enough. Yes, they smashed Arizona. Arizona is not a good team. I think Alabama stays at 5. Arizona, excuse me, Utah moves up to 6, replaces uh, Oregon, Oklahoma at 7, Minnesota at 8, Penn State 9, Florida State, or excuse me, whoa, Florida at number 10. Florida State is nowhere near this conversation and won't be anywhere near this conversation for a very long time. And then really quickly, 11 through 14, Wisconsin 11, Michigan 12, Oregon 13, Baylor uh, 14. I think Oregon could drop, and not that it matters at all, but I think Oregon could be anywhere from 10 to 13. I think the committee drops them all the way down to 13. What do you have a problem with right there? 
What do I have a problem with? Uh, not much. Uh, you agree I, that the top four is going to stay the same? Oh, yeah. You agree that Alabama's going to be at number five, or do you think Utah jumps them to five? I don't think Utah jumps them. I, at, if you've listened to this podcast the last couple weeks, you know I don't think Alabama should be at five, but it's not like the committee's going to drop them from five after last week. So, yeah, I think they'll be still be at five. I think Utah's going to be at six. I like that Penn State doesn't take a huge fumble, uh, a huge tumble there because they lost on the road in a relatively close game, all things considered. Uh, I mean, we, I think a lot of people, including myself, thought Ohio State really might smash them. And they made it competitive by the end of the game. Uh, you know, pretty close game, two-possession game. So I like that they sort of stay there in the mix in the top ten. And I wonder what the committee does with Baylor this week. Be, uh, Baylor's obviously a team we've talked about a lot. Uh, they, they have been, I think, undervalued by the committee even after the Oklahoma loss. I don't think there are 13 teams better than them. And now you're talking about a team that picked up a win against a college football top 25 ranked team in Texas. Uh, again, whether Texas is that good, we can have a pretty good discussion. But they beat Texas. I'm not saying they should jump four spots because they did, but I wonder if maybe they go above Oregon, for example. Uh, I don't my, know. my only point there is I don't know who they could hop. They're not hopping Michigan. They're not hopping Wisconsin. They're not hopping Florida. They're not hopping Minnesota, obviously, Oklahoma. I don't think that Oregon – that would mean that Oregon would drop eight spots. And that after seems like too a, much. Yeah. yeah, after a not Close road great loss, loss to a pretty decent team. Right, you're still losing on the road to a bowl-bound team. It's not great. I mean, it's kind of looking like Kansas, the Oklahoma-Kansas State loss. I think Kansas State's a better team than Arizona State, but it's not that different. I don't see... If Oregon had gone down to Tempe and lost 40-7, to sure, let's talk about them dropping to 14. I think that their absolute floor is number 13. Again, not that it matters at all. I think they could be as high as 10 or as low as 13. I disagree. I'm, I think it does matter. Why? Because of if Utah beats them? Do you think it really matters, though, if, if Utah beats the number 9 Oregon or number 14 Oregon? If you are the Pac-12 and you are already fighting a perception battle, I think you want to get every ounce of juice out of that Oregon win, that potential Utah over Oregon win in the championship game. I think you want every ounce out of it that you can. So, yeah, I think 10 versus 15 could make a big difference for them. Yeah, that's fair. And it also depends. I mean, Oregon has a civil war next week, and Oregon State playing a hell of a lot better. So we, even though that Oregon is out of the playoff picture, to your point, we still need to keep an eye on that game. And even though I, I did not include that in the 13 games that will decide the playoff, it will decide in that it affects other metrics, which can, which can push teams in certain directions. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it does matter. where Oregon, It doesn't matter for them. Oregon's out. I mean, yeah, there there could be some insane scenario in which they got in in which Clemson loses, uh, LSU loses to Texas A&M at home. All this stuff happens. All these teams get two losses. It's not going to happen, but I guess it's college football. It could happen. So, yeah, I think you're right. Maybe it does matter where they are ranked because if or if Utah, if I think there's also a perception thing. When you tune into a game and college, casual fan or avid fan or analyst or whoever when you see two numbers that are 10 or less by the team's names, when we can say top 10 matchup, for whatever reason, that feels different to me. Does that feel different to you? Like on, on Saturday, I don't think uh, Wisconsin will be in the top 10. They could be. I think they could be 10. I think they'll be 11. 
But still, when you tune in on Saturday to that game, Minnesota-Wisconsin, you're going to see probably an 8 by Minnesota's name and a 10 or 11 by Wisconsin's name. There's some sort of thing that I think changes as opposed to having like a 10 versus a 12 game instead of an 8 versus a 10 game. I think the 8 versus the 10 game, for whatever reason, even though we're only talking about a few different spots, no matter what type of fan or analyst or committee or whoever, there's some type of subconscious, whatever you want to call it, reaction to that of saying this is a top 10 game. I think that carries a lot more weight. Do you? Biased toward math. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I up the numbers. think it's different. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. It shouldn't be. I mean, I don't think like an 8 versus 10 game is that different than a 7 versus 11 game or an 11 versus 13 game. The teams, I mean, let's be honest. The difference between like Penn State and, and Wisconsin is not that great. The difference between Utah and Florida, if there is any difference at all, not that great. But yeah, maybe it is math bias. That should be a new segment on the podcast. Math yeah. bias. We're going we're gonna to break down the quadratic uh, formula next week on High Motor Podcast. You want to play your wrong? Yeah. I'm going to shit on Tom Herman here. So if there are any big Tom Herman fans, maybe just look away. Look away and come back next week. Number one, Tom Herman is Shaka Smart, and Shaka Smart is Tom Herman. <laughs> how should I how should I take this? Like metaphysically? Uh is this I, I need more information. Can you expand? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Um because there are so many similarities here, and I am so proud of this comparison. I mean, Shaka Smart was the guy. I mean, you you spent a lot of time in Virginia. You know that Shaka Smart was like the name in very college high basketball. rate of approval in Virginia, even among non VCU people. Very right. High I mean, rate of he wasn't like if like Duke needed a coach, they were going to go after Shaka Smart, for example. So there are other coaches up the ladder than him, but like he was the name in college basketball for a really long time. Like him and Brad Stevens were the guys. They grabbed him. He went to a good job, not the best job in college football, but he went to a really good job where he should do well. He's recruited like hell and has absolutely nothing to show for it. They have no on-court identity. Tom Herman was the guy in college football. He didn't have the sustained results that Shaka Smart did at VCU, but he was the hot hire coming out of Houston, even though it might have been a little bit overrated. I don't think that Shaka Smart was overrated at all at VCU. Tom Herman was maybe a little bit overrated at Houston, he came into Texas, a very, very good job, not the job in college football, but it should be a job where he can compete for a playoff. He's recruited like hell, upgraded the talent big time, has nothing to show for it. Yeah, and if I could just add some like regional dimension to that take, VCU is like every Central Virginia's high school student's safety school. Uh, it is a like super artsy school it has like a hardcore artsy population and that was kind of the brand of vcu 10 years ago like oh it's where like the artsy kids and the high school burnouts go that still want to go to college like that's what when anthony grant kind of turned it around it was still that was still the yeah like they had that win over duke in like 2007 and that kind of turned some heads maybe that like built the culture that brought in the recruiting class that ultimately went to the final four in 2011 so it goes back before Shaka, but Shaka is the one that took the program and completely changed how people in this area look at VCU because now it's considered like a basketball school, kind of like Richmond was 15 years ago. Like people look at VCU and go, oh, what's what's that school's identity? That's a basketball school. That might be the best program in the Atlantic 10, right? 
So such a turnaround, and he had such a ridiculously high approval rate, and then he goes to Texas. It's not like Texas sucks, but it's just like, all right, like you're you're an unremarkable program in like the deepest power conference in college basketball. Like, okay. Well, and that's what Texas football, like, Texas is not a bad team. Like I, I'm, I like to crap on Tom Herman. Just I'm not a fan. I don't mind crapping on Texas football, but they're still not like a bad team. They should have won against Iowa state, but they're not a good team. Their, their talent is not at all matching the results. And now we're getting into, and I am not at all suggesting that Tom Herman should be on the hot seat. He is not on the hot seat. He should not be on the hot seat. He just got an extension. I think his buyout is north of $20 million after the season. So we're not even going to have that discussion at all. But it's year three, and I get that Charlie Strong left behind a broken program, but this is like a year one. This is what should have happened in 2017, and I'm not the only one to bring this up. I think Texas beating Georgia in the bowl game last year was terrible, terrible business for Tom Herman. It was a bowl game over a team in which a lot of players were sitting. There were a lot of injuries. It's a friggin' bowl game. I think it that distorted expectations expect- up. Yeah, it distorted expectations big time. Okay, so you don't disagree with that. I, I don't disagree with it. Here's what I would follow it up with. Would you rather be Texas football or Texas basketball? Wow, expectations-wise, like Texas basketball, maybe? So you're basically you're saying, like, would I rather be Tom Herman or Shaka Smart? Um, Yeah, but I mean, in, in the context of what those two guys have to deal with, right? Because Texas football is going to have huge expectations every year. Tom Herman's going to have huge expectations every year even apart from the fact that he works for, for Texas football. Uh, well, and, I think the expectations are completely different because of Texas football. Like, they're expecting to win the Big 12 and make the playoff. Texas basketball, they want to be a five seed. But it's it's pretty hard to get a five seed in the Big 12. Like, right, so what's the difference so there? Who's, which, which program is closer? I don't think Texas football is anywhere near any sort of conversation about the playoff. I mean, we've... I, Let me ask you this. Let... 12 months ago, 365 days ago, if I would have said, how close do you think LSU is to the playoff? That's a really good point. Would you have said that LSU had a better chance? If Yeah, 365 days ago, if we said who will make the playoff first, LSU or Texas, what would you have said? I'd, I would I'd have probably, said Texas. I probably would have said Texas. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely would have said Texas. And not I just because like I Coach think o super highly Bob. of them or because I think super highly of Tom Herman, but just... I don't know how highly I thought of Coach O. Like, right? That's what that, that that is what is, is hysterical. Is everybody everybody liked Coach O like off the field? There was no question yeah, about that. Yeah. But cut the shit. Nobody thought that Coach O was this type of coach. And now he's like doing, uh, you know, he's he's doing like political commercials with the governor that just got reelected, and like everybody. I'm mean, like everything he says, they're just blast. I mean, everyone is just loving. Like he, yeah, last night after they after they won and beat Arkansas. He said, we're not going to celebrate this win because Arkansas hasn't beat anyone in forever. <laughs> like, that's true, and but because LSU is so good, we can just laugh more. If it was LSU was like 8-3, and three, we'd be like, ah, it's Coach O, that's funny. Ah, should he really be the head coach of LSU? I was at my parents' house last night doing Coach O impressions with my dad. My mom walked in the room and is like, what is happening right now? Uh, and my mom follows football, but I just don't, I don't, I don't think she knew, like, the Coach O thing. How did, did you just pour like WD-40 down your throat with <laughs> a bunch of marshmallows in your mouth? Well, you know, we got a good win. and uh, You're being generous with I'm being, being very generous, but right? I don't know that my voice can go that low. And also, like you just, it's like basic sentence and then like work in some fried gator. 
Yeah, like that's that's the template, right? That's the word mash. Just like number number two of your yeah. round. <laughs> Let's go. If I'm starting a college football program today, I can pick any of the ten head coaches in the Big Twelve as my head coach. Tom Herman would not be in the top seven. Oh man, we're still on Tom Herman, huh? I told you I was going to shit on Tom Herman, so look away. Is this is this you're wrong? The Tom Herman edition? Yes. No, this is the last Tom Herman one. But again, if I'm starting a college football program today, I can pick any of the coaches in the Big 12 as my head coach. Tom Herman would not be one of my seven picks if I was competing against other programs. And I don't even want to get into like, well, where is the program located? What's the program's background? All that crap. I'm just saying, generally, Tom Herman would not be in the top seven of my picks. All right, let, let's go through it. Um, yeah, so number one is is Lincoln Riley. Is, Do we agree? Uh, I totally agree. We'd love to have Lincoln Riley. I think Matt Rule is number two. Do you agree? Uh, fair. Mike Gandhi, number three. Uh, if, based on based on body of work, sure, I'll give it to you. Okay, but this doesn't really matter. We agree. Okay, we agree that yeah, these guys. This isn't are about ahead ranking of them. the coaches, yeah. right? So Riley's ahead of him. Matt Rule's ahead of him. Mike Gunny's ahead of him. Chris Kleiman's ahead of him. Gary Patterson's ahead of him. Matt Campbell's ahead of him. You know, I'm going to take my guy Neil Brown. I mean, I I love what Neil Brown's doing. I, I don't even have an argument against that. I'd be fine if somebody took took Tom Herman, but I don't have an argument against it. I would take Matt Wells over Tom Herman. I think I take I, Tom Herman over Matt Wells. I like what Matt Wells did at Utah State more than I like what Tom Herman did at Houston. Houston is a really good job. You should win at Houston. That's a good argument. You should not be winning at Utah State. Utah State is one of the harder jobs in the country. And I don't think Matt Wells gets enough credit. I think because of what Gary Anderson did, and then Matt Wells comes in after him, everyone's like, well, Gary Anderson laid the foundation. So I would put Matt Wells ahead of him. There's an argument for Neil Brown. I would not take Les Miles and this is kind of age, just but purely based upon age. I don't think Les Miles is going to lead your program for ten or twelve years. Chris Herman, or excuse me, Tom Herman, could. Uh, CBS Sports did a Big Twelve coach rankings back in June. Where do you think Tom Herman was? Two, four. Really? Yeah, I would have uh, thought he would Lincoln be two Riley, behind Lincoln Gary Riley. Patterson, Mike Gundy, Tom Herman. Gary Patterson's always a tough one to rank because you kind of have the group of it's Gary Gary freaking Patterson, and that's fine. But then you also have the group of when is Gary Patterson going to get over the hump? He's never gotten over the hump. Is he that great? So it's always tough to know where he's going to be ranked. If Gary Patterson coached at another school, if he left TCU tomorrow and coached at another TCU equivalent program, do you think that program would become TCU? Like, do you, yes. do you think he would have that level of success somewhere else is what I'm asking? Yes. So let's say he went to Utah. Yes. Okay. And that's the easy comparison because of the, the Mountain West going to the to the Pac-12 and all that stuff. But yes. So anyways, back to this. There's an argument. There's at least an argument that if you were starting a program, Tom Herman would be 7, 8, 9, or 10 on your list of choices in the in the Big 12. Yeah. There's a pretty we just we, Well, we named all nine coaches between the two of us that would be ahead of him, except for Les Miles. So he would be number nine. Would you have him, I assume, above Les Miles? I would have him above Les Miles. Yeah. So your only debate is Matt Wells. My only debate is is Neil Brown, maybe. The point is, is that Tom Herman would be eight or nine. Yeah. That's not good. That's pretty bad. Number three, division should not exist in college football. Ooh. Why on earth do they exist? We can preserve rivalries other ways. Give me the Big 12 model. Give me the one versus the two. I love the Big 12 model. I love it in football where everybody plays everybody. I love it in basketball even more where everybody plays everybody twice. I don't know if that works as well in a conference that has 16 teams. 
None of them have 16 teams yet, though. Well, we're going there, and a few of them are pretty close. So, ah. right now, right now, why does the Big Ten West and the Big Ten East, why do those exist? Why does the SEC West and SEC East, especially with how stupid the SEC scheduling is, and we hope they change this pod schedule they've been talking about proximity. now for a little bit. It's an NCAA why do they mandate. exist? That's why. There's no reason for them to exist, especially if we ever do move to this auto-bid P5 champ model for the playoff. They need to be scrapped, and this is not a new take. People have been shouting this for a while, but I do not understand why they exist, and nobody has given me one good reason why they exist other than because they do. I think they exist because the NCAA wants to push the idea of geographic proximity, but if you want to argue the fact that that's dumb, I I don't have an argument against that. (laughs) I, I can't tell you you're wrong. Number four, teams and or head coaches should be fined for faking injuries when it's very obvious and very deliberate. Yeah, the like, look over to the sideline, catch catch a signal, and then just like falls to the ground and it's and caught it's on video. It's so obvious. Yeah. It is. I mean, in, there, it happened in the Cincinnati game. It happened uh, in the FIU-Miami game. I think FIU did it twice. I think two guys went down on the same play, if I remember correctly. Why? why I mean, are, is... Are NC, is NCAA and conferences, are they just scared to say, you're not hurt? Yeah, they, because the minute they go, you're not hurt, and somebody says, why don't you look at my doctor's note, uh, then we got a problem. Because I mean, you can find something on everybody. You can find something on the third string personal protector. Like He could go into the doctor and say, and find something. He's got a bruise on his toenail. Yeah, but I think there's a difference between, hey, he's got a bruise on his toenail and hey, this kid didn't really play the rest of the game after he went down. Uh, here's, like, we went to the doctor. The doctor says he's got a, you know, a bruise. I get that. I get that. Absolutely, I get that. But there are guys that are going down and coming back in to play later. Right, and I don't think that's who I'm talking about. I'm saying the minute the, the minute this happens and a conference says, hey, you're hurt and we're going to find you, and the school comes back and says, actually, he is hurt, here's the proof, and we're going to sue you for defamation, uh, n- now it's... You know, now it's a whole thing. So I think that's probably what they're scared of is they're scared of the stakes ratcheting up. But it's it's a it's been a problem in college football, especially in a conference like the Big Twelve that wants to go fast and defenders we I mean, if you go to a Big Twelve game, it's very obvious that it's happening right in front of you. It's right. really hard to miss. Well, it's not new at all. It just and it also kind of depends on how much, like every after every week, we could go on Twitter and on anywhere and games that we didn't watch and find where it happened. It kind of just is a thing that if you see it, you think that it's happening more. And last night I saw a lot of it. Just I don't know if that just happened to come on my feed, happened to see it elsewhere. But it feels like it's happening more. How do you combat that? Is this just sitting down at a, a conference table in the offseason and saying, cut the shit? I think that's what you. I think that's how you have to handle it. Because I. But how I don't, do you enforce that? You. I guess you can't. <laughs> right. There's no way to. There, this is literally the the one unfixable rule in college football. Yeah. That's how I felt about it. That it's an unfixable problem. So how do we fix it? Well, Andrew. you don't. And, and to be clear, I I don't think teams should ever be fine for this. I mean, I can't even imagine what type of privacy or health laws come up. I mean, teams aren't required to, to release an injury report. Therefore, there's no way you're going to say something about if a guy is injured or not. Hashtag you're right. It'll, it'll, it'll never happen. Whatever privacy and health laws, that will crush it. This will never, ever happen. I probably shouldn't have even said it, and you're wrong, because I don't actually believe it'll happen. But still, 
I can't figure out why it happens, how people have any self-respect, and they still do it. Yeah, we'll get our producer to edit this whole part out. So as of now, I have a fantastic guest for the midweek episode coming up on Wednesday morning. As of now, he's locked in, but shit happens, so hopefully that'll stay locked in. I'll be back on Wednesday morning, maybe Tuesday night, if we can uh, get the proper arrangements made. With that midweek episode, Chase will be back to breaking down lines for the final regular season week. Chase, really quickly, any lines that you are going to be watching like a hawk where you think it could be value? Uh, I, I, I hate to keep going back to the Virginia well here, but I've, it's a game I've talked about a couple times, the Virginia-Virginia Tech game. Virginia uh, blasting Liberty aside la- this past weekend, uh, yeah, I really don't think they're going into this big rivalry game with Virginia Tech in a great spot. Virginia Tech, since I tried to fire <laughs> Fuente like two months ago, all they've done is won like seven straight games. Uh, and they're playing really well, and this is basically a ACC championship play-in game. And I'm wondering what the line is going to be, because if it's close or if Virginia is favored, the game is in Charlottesville, boy, I think Virginia Tech could be a good bet. And I hate saying that, because I hate Virginia Tech. But. Yeah, so we'll be back uh, Tuesday night or Wednesday morning talking about that line. Uh, we'll talk about Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, all of that. Please send any things for your wrong to at High Motor Pod. On Twitter, I'm at a dowdy88. Chase is at Chase a kitty. Check out all episodes of the pod on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spreaker, Stitcher, anywhere else you do your podcasting. Thanks for dropping by the High Motor Podcast. We'll be back later this week. I saw a friend today. It had been a while, and we forgot each other's names. But it didn't matter because deep inside, the feeling still remained the same. We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces